Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Thanks again to Chad Simmons for joining us here on the show as we talked about Gabe Irvin, the Huskers' latest commit. And Nate will chime in on that as well here in our next segment. But I wanted to get to our mailbag guys as uh, lots of good questions this week in the mailbag. Um, and I took them out of our chat as we get a ton of great questions on Tuesday as we have by far one of the most active Weekly chat you're going to see um, with Husker fans asking really intelligent questions, and we try to bring some of those questions here on the show. Um, and first question I want to ask guys in the mailbag had to do with with the mini camp and losing spring football. What do you think the coaches would prefer: an extended summer fall practice like this year, or having spring ball in a normal fall camp? And my answer to that, guys, was I, I think they'd they'd rather have the spring ball. That's because. You cannot. I mean, you get those fifteen practices, and in Nebraska's case, with spring break worked into there, they get six weeks of you know practice. There's one week of spring break, uh, but they go three days of practice a week over five weeks. They have three major scrimmages if you count the spring game, um, and man, you get so much out of those late scrimmages and spring ball that you're just not going to be able to probably get in a, in a mini camp, but a mini camp is a nice consolation prize. Well, and would it just having the extended summer mean that players aren't doing anything from January to June? I mean, in, in that scenario, and if that's the case, then no way. That's way too long of a break. I think they'd like to space it out, keep guys on campus, keep them engaged within the program, uh, keep them in shape, uh, and, you know, being able to get 15 solid practices without the grind of, you know, playing a game. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say that the traditional schedule would be far preferred. But, all the things considered of what's going on right now, you you certainly take the current calendar the way it is right now. Yeah, I think they'd take whatever they can get at this point, consider you know considering the current situation. But I don't see any any way that they would uh, prefer this in the in the long term. Um, you know, in the way that they do spring ball now, when you know most schools are spreading it out over over six seven weeks. It, well, six is the most you can have it over. Yeah. So I mean, that's I mean you, you've got. You've got your winter conditioning that runs into spring ball, that runs into the evaluation period, and and next you know into summer workouts. I mean, it's it's pretty seamless the way it. it you get a nice is. two three week break in yeah. May. Yeah, you get you, there's a couple built in breaks there for the players, and um, you know I, I think like Robin said, you're keeping your guys engaged basically year round the way that it, that it traditionally is, and I think that coaches would prefer that. Well, normally organized workouts would begin in early June, and this year they're not going to begin until mid July. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's no question a normal year is better. The mini camp's good, but it's really yeah. something they had to do. Um, next question, it's for Nate. What's your take, Nate, on Christopher Paul Jr.? Do you think they can find a better inside linebacker than him to take that spot? Yeah, so Chris, Christopher Paul Jr. decommits from Nebraska. Um, you know, he was he's one of their inside linebacker commits. They're, they're going to take three this year. Uh, so now Nebraska has an open spot there. 
I think they can, at the very least, I think they can get someone similar to Christopher Paul Jr. Uh, to, to fill that vacant spot. Uh, I don't think that he will be coming back to Nebraska. You just don't see that happen very often where a kid commits, then decommits, then then recommits, if you will. So, But but I do think – I think they're in on, on a handful of players that are just as good, if not better, uh, than, than Christopher Paul Jr. And, and I'd fully expect them to, you know, to, to possibly even, um, you know, upgrade in the long term. All right, we're taking your questions in the mailbag. I'm going to alter this one a little bit because I think the answer is pretty obvious. Uh, the question framed to us was, which was the best Husker team of the 2010s? And everyone's going to agree the 2010 team was the best. I mean, that team got into the top five at one point, and that's the only week Nebraska football has been ranked in the top five since the 2001 season. Think about that, mm-hmm. um, that Colorado game that year um, back in 01. So who's the next best team after 2010? Um, you know, and there's a few ways you could go because 2016, they were in the top 10 for a month. But I'll still say the 2012 team is the best team of the 2010s because they're the only team that's played for a Big Ten title. Um, they were favored to win the Big Ten title. They had beaten Wisconsin earlier in the year. And if not for injuries to Baker, Steinkuhler, and Justin Jackson at Iowa, I still would have liked Nebraska's chances in that Big Ten title game. I know they were blowing out, but that was a solid team you know, back in 2012 um, with guys like Rex Burkhead and Amir Abdullah and – you had Martinez. He was he was the All Big Ten quarterback that year over uh, Braxton Miller at Ohio State. Um, so I'm going to go 2012. Yeah, I mean I think that's the next obvious choice there. Like, given the level of talent they had, obviously they were lacking in some areas, particularly defensive line by the end of the year. But uh, you know I think that that team had as much um, just overall talent level as any team Nebraska's had maybe since 2010. Yeah, that's what you have to go for. I think is the 2012 team. They they won the what was it the legends. They went seven at, and at one in the Big Ten. Yeah, and so I mean, if you're winning your division and playing for the Big Ten title, then I think I think that automatically qualifies you as as being one of the top ten or one of the top teams in the in that decade. So uh, I think that's where you have to go. But I think what what may skew some people's opinion on that was just how badly the ending, yeah, how badly it, it came uh, to an end there. I mean that <laughs> Big Ten title game was an embarrassment. Well, and this doesn't get enough credit about the 2012 team. I mean they went blow for blow with Georgia, and Georgia yeah. was a play away from being in the BCS title game yeah. that year. I mean literally, you watch that Nebraska Georgia game. There was not. I mean it didn't feel like Nebraska was outclassed. No, they 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 had Georgia on their hands and knees breathing and a fluke Amir Abdullah fumble yeah. basically you know he, he he was tossing the ball to the referee so they could speed up the no huddle offense and they called it a fumble and Nebraska was driving to take the lead there and win the game maybe and um, so yeah that too gets forgotten in my opinion that they were toe for toe with a team that almost won the national title that year yeah and so again I mean I think just as far as overall talent level that's just, I mean there's no question and then we're also talking about a decade where the last four or five years have been absolutely atrocious. You don't even take those into consideration. It's a pretty small uh, number of options yeah. you even have to choose from. It, it, the pool is fairly limited. <laughs> it's basically all Bose teams. Yeah, I mean, Riley had the one team, but it just the way they lost to Iowa at the end of the year and then obviously the Tennessee game, they just they, they were playing Riker Fife and yeah. you know, just didn't you know, Derek Barnett ruin nick gates that team was a disaster we had fun in nashville though that was the the one consolation to nick gates credit though he's got a chance to potentially start for my new york giants this year as a guard or center how about that 
All right, quick answer here in this one. Who are you guys most excited from to see from a strength and conditioning standpoint? My guy is Ty Robinson. Yeah. Why Ty Robinson? I just think his body, his development um, in one year, I think he's going to show a ton of gain. So that's the guy year over year. I'm really, really intrigued to see his body and how it changes. I'll go uh, obvious. I'll go Adrian Martinez. I thought he was too big a year ago, and I want to see how he's reshaped that body to maybe be uh, you know, a little leaner, uh, closer to what he was at the end of 2018, and hopefully that can add some more dynamic element to his game. I am going I'm, – I'm going to cheat a little bit and pick a position group. I'm, I'm going outside linebacker. I want to see Caleb Tanner. Um, you know, just if he – has maybe added the mass that, that I think is required to play that position. Javen Wright, I've heard uh, unbelievable gains uh, with him, who has moved from safety to outside linebacker. I've heard that he has maybe even grown an inch or two and is, is up to close to 230 pounds. So you're talking 6'4", 230 plus right now. Uh, so I'm really interested in that. And then a guy like Blaze Gunnerson, who is uh, who, who came on campus early as a mid-year enrollee, um, you know, I've heard that, uh, that he's been uh, looking pretty good as far as gains go in the weight room. So uh, there's, a, there's a couple of players at that position where I think Nebraska needs a lot of production that uh, I'm really interested to see you know, wh- how they look. And final question, this can be any year of your time around Nebraska football. Who is one player that you thought deserved more playing time but didn't get it? My answer to that was Chris Brooks at wide receiver. Um, he ended up playing in the NFL. Um, and was on some active rosters, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and for whatever reason, when he got limited chances, he made plays at Nebraska. But for some odd reason, um, he was in some sort of doghouse where he never got meaningful starting reps on Bo Pelini's early teams. Um, so Chris Brooks would have been the guy I wish could have gotten, you know, Kenny Bell type balls thrown his way to see what he would have been able to do. There were a couple guys that got into that doghouse that ended up being pretty good players. Phil Dillard, I remember. It wasn't yep. until like his senior year that he actually got to see the and field. And that changed the defense. And he was nine. a fourth-round draft pick. I mean, like, so uh, I think in that chat I answered Andy Janovich pre-senior year because, I mean, we all saw he's an elite-level talent that, you know, Nebraska hadn't seen at fullback in a long time. Think about that UCLA game. They were playing Mike Marrow over Andy Janovich. Uh, unbelievable. And they gave Marrow like multiple third and one, fourth and one carries. Fourth and one, yeah. And they didn't get him, and it cost them the game. People couldn't stop Andy Janovich when he was running. He and was a freak. Even CJ Zimmer was on that roster, and they were playing Mike Marrow over both those guys. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he got his due as a senior finally, but uh, those were th- at least two or three years that uh, were totally underutilized. Yeah, my pick was Chris Brooks uh, as well. I mean, anytime you've got someone that, that goes to the NFL and, and sticks around the league for a handful of years um, and, and makes active rosters, I, I mean, that's that's kind of mind-blowing. Um, and I think, you know, I don't want to step out too far out of lane here but i think there's a little something with uh with ted gilmore involved with that whole deal so but anyway i mean you know, i i think that's that's the my obvious guy a couple of random ones too you talk about huskers that ended up doing something in the nfl that really didn't do much at nebraska givens morty price or givens price like he he was in the nfl for a few years and like really wasn't a factor here um zach stirrup i mean you think about his senior year only got to start a few games, and he held on to the NFL a lot longer than most Husker recent linemen have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you can go down the line. There have been a few guys that, you know, you wonder if they would have just gotten, 
you know, things fall right for them, you know, what they, what they could have done at Nebraska. Yeah, and again, I think there's, especially early on, especially during the Bo Pelini years, there were a lot of guys that were good enough to have a much bigger impact, but for whatever reason, they couldn't uh, get the trust of their coaches to see the field enough. I mean, remember, Levante David wasn't a starter to begin, you know, that season. It, it took until, Sean Fisher yes. and Will Compton getting hurt. Yeah. So, and it's because they didn't trust him because they didn't think he knew the defense. Well, it turns out when you were a absolute freak of nature, you just go make plays. It's instinctual. Yeah. You tackle the man with the yeah. ball. <laughs> and he was very good at that. Very, very good at that. I mean, some of those tackles he made on like Denard Robinson. I mean, yeah. Like, I remember there were plays where Robinson was going to get like a 70 yard run and he would just lift his hand up. And those were plays maybe two or three linebackers in the conference could make. And Levante David was one of them. Penn State, 2011, he made three, three straight tackles. tackles. It yeah. was third and two, or second and two, third and one, fourth and one. He made all three tackles. The strip. And he, in that fourth and one, was it the fourth and one or third and one? He had no business making that tackle. And Penn State was top 10. I mean, that was a good quality Penn State team. Granted, it was the day or two after Joe Paterno was yes. forced out, but yeah. they were still a good team. Yeah. I mean, goes to show you sometimes uh, talent isn't always the number one factor getting a player on the field. Yes. All right. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.